Nice leg stops. <laughs> she just smooshed her nose on the microphone. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Jen, GR Mom, joined as always by GR Dad. Hello. Uh, cocktail of the week. We're drinking the Moscow Mule, the most classic of the mules. Uh, just trying to think if there are other mules. I think you can make it with bourbon or you can make it with rum. You can put whatever you want in there. But and maybe gin, but I'm not sure. sure. Gin is a little bit more tetchy. So Moscow Mule is vodka, a little bit of lime juice, and ginger ale. Ginger beer is better. It's a little spicier. And you put that in a copper mug with some crushed ice so the mug gets all frosty. It's delicious. Uh, yeah, you can make it with bourbon, a bourbon mule. Bourbon and ginger ale is delicious. If you make it with rum, it's a dark and stormy. Oh. This is an important thing to learn, aspiring cocktail makers. Tons of cocktails are actually the same thing, but like they have a different spirit in them. Or instead of lime juice, you use lemon juice. Or instead of club soda, you use champagne or ginger ale. They're all kind of the same. And so once you learn like those basic proportions, you are able to make all kinds of different things. I'm not sure gin and ginger ale would work. I, I don't, don't know. know. Gin is a pretty strong thing on its own. Yeah. I don't know if there's a gin mule. Probably. Somebody probably likes it. The gin donkey. <laughs> anyway, that's what we're drinking. We also had some 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 some, some sangria. <laughs> Maybe we've had a little too much. Uh, we might meander a bit. Uh, I didn't have that much, but I did. We ran like 20 miles today. Some of us less. Some of us more. Yeah. We average out to around 19 miles today. Uh, I ran 21. GR Dad ran 16. I had to drive the car home. Yeah, we ran 16 together, and I was like, cool, I'm going to run the four and a half miles home. And GR Dad drove the car home. I am training for a race that's two and a half times as long as the one that he's training for. He's training for a marathon. I'm training for 100K that's in two weeks. 62 miles. So this was a taper shorter run for me <laughs> we're out there and i'm like well we're not going that far today he's like we're going 16 miles and i was like yeah it's not that far i gotta run three times four times this long in a couple weeks insane it is uh anyway i have earned the right to drink whatever i want tonight and eat whatever i want we had ice cream we went out for dinner had yeah. sangria yeah. we're having cocktails i'm gonna have a cookie if i want one i need whatever i want <laughs> i had some pie uh, bonus so i continued running when GR dad drove the car home and he was nice enough when I was like 20 minutes from home I called and I was like I'm 20 minutes from home and he's like okay and he went and got sandwiches for us and he brought them home and so I got home I had just enough time to take a quick shower he walked in he had sandwiches potato chips fizzy, big giant fizzy diet coke for me which is like my favorite thing to have with my lunch and we had sandwiches together and it was lovely so thanks beats pretzels and bananas after a race sure does thanks for getting me a sandwich sure so today i thought we would talk about kind of how to help your dogs through random anxieties we've had so we've talked about anxiety um and for some stuff mostly you know, yours <laughs> we did talk a lot about my anxiety <laughs> when we did the episode of and anxiety a lot about human anxieties where's my drink okay but uh, there are some anxieties with dogs that you can kind of help them through. And so, um, yeah, you know, Maggie has thunder anxiety. And this is one where 
the techniques that we're going to talk about today don't work because the thunder just shows up and I don't know we probably could find a way to apply today's techniques to thunder but it just sort of shows up and she gets really nervous this happened a couple nights ago you weren't here thunderstorm came in it wasn't even raining and it wasn't that thundery but she can hear it when it's far away and of course it started at like 2 a.m and seriously what I ended up doing is I got her thunder shirt and I put it on here and then I have like a track on my phone an eight hour track called spa music that I like kind of ripped off some YouTube video of like <laughs> like soothing meditation music uh, which I sometimes play in hotels like when I'm trying to fall asleep and I can't because it's like you know weird sounds and it's a weird place uh, I'll put this on. And so I put it on for her, and it's all, like, very relaxing spa music. Mm. I'll plug some in here in the background so you some can Some would say it. yoga music. It's kind of like yoga music. Yeah, it's like if you get a massage, it's kind of like the music they play then. And uh, put that on for her. And uh, and then I kind of sleep with her like she's my teddy bear. like, she, And she's really a great snuggler. So once she calms down just a little, she'll kind of lay down maximum body contact against you and then you can wrap your little arms around her and she thinks it's great and so we slept like that all night me and teddy bear schmeeg and so there's there's not a lot you can do to kind of gradually expose her to like thunder she has a little bit of separation anxiety that also works for separation yeah. anxiety. <laughs> yeah just hug them like a teddy bear for six no hours no separation yeah. at all yeah not even air between you hmm. Um, but there's a lot of anxiety. So if your dog has separation anxiety, so like you leave the house and they freak out. Um, someone messaged us this week about their dog who had kind of suddenly become afraid of the dark, which was interesting. Um, some people will have dogs who are afraid of like trucks going by or they're afraid of the car. Flies or mosquitoes. Yeah, that, that would be a harder one for this technique to work on. Buttercup. Yeah, Buttercup is afraid of flies. And she, I didn't believe GR Dad at first when he said this. And then, like, she was over here, and I think a fly got in the house, and she freaked out. And uh, she got attacked by a bunch of, like, black flies or horse flies as a puppy that would just, like, sit on her back and bite her. And so, ever since then, she's been freaked out by any fly, which won't bite her, but she's really just super jumpy and she goes and hides in dark places. And it's. Or Pretty serious. Yeah. yeah. So for the stuff we're going to talk about today, you need to be able to gradually expose your dog to whatever it is that freaks them out. So if it's the washing machine, if it's the vacuum, getting in the car, you leaving, whatever. These are techniques that will work. They are also techniques that can be used on humans, though I don't recommend that without the aid of a therapist. And so, so say your dog's afraid of the vacuum, because that's a, a good example. So... Uh, our dogs are not really afraid of the vacuum. Jasmine aggressively gives zero fucks in front of the vacuum. Like, I get the vacuum out, she's like, I'm laying in the middle of the rug. I'm not moving. It doesn't matter what you do, I can bump her with the vacuum. She's like, fuck you. Buttercup's <laughs> afraid of the vacuum, but when she's afraid of something, she'll attack it and try to bite it. She does try to bite it. Which means I cannot mow the lawn with her outside because she tries to bite the lawnmower, which is not a good not idea. Not good, not good, Buttercup. No, she has the same with the vacuum. If I have her in the room with, where I'm vacuuming, she'll try to, like, bite it. <laughs> Vink likes to pretend she's afraid of the vacuum. So I get it out, and I'm vacuuming, and she'll, like, oh, I'm going to run out of the room to be afraid. And then she'll come in and watch me vacuum, and then, <laughs> like, I'll push the vacuum towards her, and she'll be like, oh, no, I'm going to act afraid. <laughs> and, like, she thinks this is hilarious. She always comes back to, like, 
like watch me vacuum and thinks it's a fun game, but she plays vacuum afraid. Um, <laughs> no, none of our dogs care. Not, Maggie does not care about the vacuum. Nobody cares. But I've had dogs who are terrified of the vacuum. So if you have a dog who's afraid of the vacuum, say, here's what you do. You start with teeny tiny little exposures and tons of positive reinforcement to get them used to it. So if your dog's afraid of the vacuum, uh, they may freak out like the minute you open the closet that you have your vacuum in, if you're lucky enough to have a closet, our vacuum just lives in the dining room right no. now. Uh, but if you have it stored somewhere, they may freak out right away. So figure out like the very first place that they start to get anxious in the interaction. And all you want to do is that one thing. So maybe you walk up to the closet door. You don't even open it. But if you think that's when they start to get freaked out, just walk up to the closet door and then come back to them and give them a bunch of snacks and praise. And that's it for the day. And then the next day you walk up to the door and you don't open it and you come back and you give them a bunch of snacks and praise. And you do that until they have nothing but happiness when you walk up to the door that the vacuum's in. And then, then once they're really comfortable with that, maybe you'll open the door. If they start to get freaked out, like when you put your hand on the knob, maybe you stop there. But if they're okay with that, open the door. Do not take the vacuum out. Just open the door and then close it again. Give them lots of snacks and praise. So they start to think that you opening the door is a great thing. And then you find basically tiny little steps. So maybe you just move the vacuum. You don't take it out, but you kind of like grab it and move it around in there and then close the door and get them to where they're comfortable with that. Then get it so you can take the vacuum out. Don't plug it in. Just like have the vacuum in front of them. And if that's too much, you maybe just take it out for a second and put it back in and then get it to where you can have it out for five seconds and then put it back in until they get comfortable with it just being out and then work on plugging it in but not turning it on and then maybe you just turn it on for a second so it makes noise turn it off give them lots of praise and basically what you want to do is find tiny little increments of whatever the thing is that they're freaked out by and get them used to just the very first one of those and then get them totally comfortable and feeling like this is a time where I get positive attention and rewards and then move on to the next one. And it doesn't mean that their anxieties will totally go away like once you actually start vacuuming, but it should be a lot less. And, you know, if you have separation anxiety with the dog, um, you know, just walk up to the front door and then don't open it and walk back to them and give them lots of treats and praise. Then like just open the front door and close it, open it and step through it without closing it, come back in, give them the treats and praise. Do it where you just like walk out for one second and then come right back in so they don't even have time to like barely process that you are gone. Then stand out there for, you know, a couple seconds and come back and then 10 seconds and then a minute. And this can take a long time to do this process. Like this won't work in a week. I mean, if you're lucky, it will. But it could take you a couple months to really get them, you know, all the way through to where they're not super freaked out when you leave the house or they're not super freaked out when you take out the vacuum. But that kind of incremental exposure, if you can do it, which is hard with flies, it's hard with thunderstorms because, like, what's a partial thunder? Yeah. She's not scared of, like, sounds of thunder on the TV at all. So, you know you can't engineer that but for stuff where you can control it like that's a really useful process for kind of reducing their anxiety yeah and then we've talked about drugs 
Yeah. That's for driving, and that's where it's predictable that it's going to happen. You can manage. Doesn't really help there. They manage their anxiety. Tries to reduce it. Yeah. And this is the sort of thing that I said I am absolutely unwilling to engage in for my fear of cockroaches. They yeah. do this with people where, all right, here's a picture of a cockroach, and then here's a video of a cockroach, and then here's a cockroach in a box yeah. that I'm not going to open. Like, fuck that. No. Uh, but, you know, I don't encounter that many cockroaches. And so uh, the dogs have to encounter some of the things that scare them. Yeah. Well, so. they deal with people with their anxieties, too, right? If you're, like, afraid of speaking for crowds or, I don't know. Yeah whatever a phobia you have they can you can kind of do this aversion therapy right yeah and the idea is you know you can reason with people a little bit better so you can say like all right you're looking at this picture of a cockroach i don't think i really get scared by pictures of cockroaches much but uh yeah it's kind of gross but it doesn't doesn't give me the same problems you kind of go what's the worst thing that can happen right now right and that you can kind of reason through it you can't really reason through it with your dog, but you do as close an equivalent as possible as you can. So that's a technique. Uh, figure out how do you incrementally expose your dog to the thing that they're scared of and then make them super happy and comfortable and just thrilled to be getting your attention for each tiny bit of exposure and work them up to the big thing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a puppy where they're, you know, you train them to not be afraid of people. Right. Yeah. If puppies are afraid of people, it's not good because then they might end up biting the people, fear biting people, or snapping because they're so freaked out. So you're supposed to expose puppies to people. Yep. Take them to parties. Take them to restaurants. Right. Yes. Which is good for everyone at the restaurant too. Unless the puppy pees on them. <laughs> it's just a puppy. My first dog, Pie would pee as a puppy when she would get excited about stuff <laughs> and so i have one friend uh my friend pete i don't think he listens but pete if you're listening hi he's like one of my bffs in college and uh i think after we had finished undergrad we were still both in the same city and we were going on like a double date like me and my boyfriend him and his girlfriend and he came over to my apartment and i had pie and I mean, she was maybe 10 weeks old she was really little and she he came in and she was so excited and she peed all over his shoes and he didn't have dogs and he's like your dog just peed on my foot and i was like yep she did <laughs> and uh there's another time i was taking her out so i lived like on the second floor of this apartment building and so i had to take her out the back to uh you know to pee outside and uh i was carrying her down the steps because she was super little it was hard for her to go down the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs we met some other lady who lived in the building and she was like oh look at your puppy and she's petting her and pie was like super freaked out and excited and started to pee but i was holding her so she just peed all <laughs> down my t-shirt you were aiming her oh my i mean she, i was holding her against me right so the, like the person who was petting her didn't even notice and i was just like oh no and it just like i was covered in dog pee uh, they usually outgrow that within the first year. Wait, that's not the same as the biting thing we're worried about. No, but like the more exposed they get to those sorts of situations, the more they react socially appropriately and they won't get so overwhelmed that they freak out or that they pee all over you. <laughs> it's true. It's, uh, it's also a thing for, well, dogs socializing with other dogs, right? You take them to the dog park, you put them in... Mm -hmm. Doggy daycare, you puppy class, do puppy class, just to get them not freaked out when they meet other dogs, and it, it, yeah. it helps. 
We had a great puppy class for Pi, especially. Uh, we just had like an amazing group of people and dogs, and it was so good for her. Bank. For I'm sorry, for Hops. Oh, Hops. Yeah. Hops was Dude. great. Yeah. <laughs> Venkman's kind of the the person who had led Hopper's puppy class wasn't doing them anymore, but she recommended to this other person, and that person was great, but her assistant was not so great. And we ended up, I think we had like a six-week puppy class, and the third week the assistant was taken over, and it was really terrible, and we quit. Didn't didn't Vink get bullied? Was there something? I don't remember. She Dropped we, out for a reason. I thought it was a good reason. It, we went one class, and usually when you do puppy class, it starts with, like, all the puppies just kind of playing in the open space. So they get their energy out, and they get to see each other. And the assistant was not German, but she had some very German aesthetics and was <laughs> like, no, the puppies, they must remain seated. She was American. I'm totally what? making up this accent. And yeah, everybody had to sit there, and they were not allowed to play. And they just had to sit there and, like, behave. And I was like, this is not how you run a puppy class. Like... Half of it is just to socialize them. And if they're all, like, antsy to get moving, you know, they're like 10-week-old puppies. Like, you're not supposed to be training them to be calm at that point. No, that's not aversion therapy. No, so... Also, uh, half of a good puppy class is teaching the owners how to teach, how to deal with their puppies. Yeah, totally. Getting people to realize, getting people to kind of think like dogs. And they actually do. I mean, coming back to the kind of exposure therapy... In, in Hopper's class, this was really interesting. So they will bring out all kinds of stuff to see how your dog reacts. Like, what are they freaked out by? And, you know, so they'll have someone bring out an umbrella and then, like, poof, open up the umbrella and see, like, do the dogs freak out? And, you know, they'll bring out shopping carts and all this stuff. Bells. I mean, what is it? The yeah, bicycle, bikes bicycle with bells. And Hopper's was fine with everything. And then uh, Jess, the person who taught the class, came out with a walker and hopper freaked out was like barking at it like and i mean she'd never seen a walker before but something about it really freaked her out and so then it was like a thing we knew maybe she thought it was a cyborg i i don't there was a wheelchair that she brought out didn't affect hopper at all but the walker really freaked her out like Jess was walking using the walker and so we go okay like you don't want your dog barking at like some person walking down the street in a walker and so this is a thing we know and so Jess would kind of do this right so we'd be you know having like the puppies romping around and she'd just like very quietly put the walker out in the middle of the space and so Hopper got used to kind of seeing it there and you know no one was walking in it but it would just kind of sit there so she got used to seeing it and then she'd you know occasionally like walk around with it while the dogs are distracted and then you know by the end of those few weeks pops didn't care at all that the walker came out that was which is pretty cool smart class that uh our, the instructor that we had for that is great and she has all kinds of certifications and so she was german but not like mean german like you were saying no she she like you you talk to her and you think she's an american uh. though she's been in america a lot less time than you but she talks like an American and I mean she is an American citizen now but she was born in Germany and lived there I think through college so uh yes she's not German like she must be very regimented (laughs) uh this is the way it must be done (laughs) no she's a great dog trainer though so again if you're in the DMV and you want a recommendation for a dog trainer drop me a message and I'll give you a link to her 
not even a referral link. I don't think she does referrals. I'll just sit straight up, link you to her. And if she has time, I'm sure she would work with you. And if you're not in the DMV, you probably don't know what it is. It's the District, <laughs> Maryland, and Virginia. Yeah, District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. We call ourselves the DMV. Yeah, it's not the car place. No, uh, way better than the car place. Well, yes. Uh, but yeah, so that's the kind of thing where just like whatever the thing is, getting your dog used to it little by little with lots of praise and happiness works real well. It probably, yeah, it, it, if you have a rescue, right? Sometimes they're like afraid of men. That is problematic. Kind of typical, right? Yeah. But it's a similar idea. Like do it, be super gentle, soft spoken, don't raise your voice, don't think like a dog, don't do anything that the dog might get startled by or feel threatened by, right? Be real empathetic. That's a super important thing with rescues is to... And it's usually men. I mean, I don't want to be sexist, but it is usually, usually men. I have never, I've never seen a rescue that's afraid of women. Yeah. I've heard of it, but it's usually, it's very common that there are rescues that are afraid of men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But whenever you get your rescue, your rescue is usually going to be afraid of something because they didn't end up in rescue almost all the time. Uh, they didn't end up there because like their caring, <laughs> loving owner died. They end up there because they're people who had them don't want them anymore and or we're not treating them well. Uh, I'm trying to think if we got any dogs. The only dog that we got who had not come from a clearly neglectful or abuseful situation was Harley, who was the one foster that we couldn't keep. We had him for like two days, and then we had to pass him off to another foster. So he lo he missed his owner so much. I think. Yeah, and the owner, from what we were told, had some, I think had to go into a psych ward, like was committed somewhere and had some psych problems. He was not poorly taken care of at all. I mean, he was clearly very loved and I think spent every minute of the day with his owner and was just distraught to be separated. Uh, but that's the only dog that we had any problems with. He's the one who, he didn't sleep like and he chewed through his cage. Yeah. He just barked like literally for eight hours all night, mm. probably six cause we couldn't stand it anymore. And no, it didn't matter what we did anyway. All the other dogs he, came. He ended up in a much better place. Yes. We passed him off to another foster who ended up adopting him and he's now super happy. So everything is fine. Um, but yeah, all the other fosters we've had have come from neglected or abused homes, and usually they spring back pretty fast, but a lot of them have been afraid of one random thing or another. And so it's just super important to pay attention if you get a rescue dog, like what makes them nervous? Is it you petting them on the head, right? Some of them will get nervous if yeah, you reach their head. Yeah, bellies. Yep. I mean, Maggie still won't lay on her back. Yeah. Like, oh, you see all the other dogs flipped and she'll now kind of like flop her back legs open and you can see her belly but that took a long time for her to do and she still won't like totally flip over and she gets very freaked out if you flip some her over some dogs get freaked out if you like come near their tail because i mean you just i don't know it or if you touch them in certain places bad stuff has happened to them right and they yeah don't, they don't forget that's right maggie gets upset when not anymore but she used to get upset if you touch the scruff of her neck yeah um yeah i mean they all come with things and the really important thing is if you accidentally find one of those things that freak them out, stop doing that thing immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like don't, don't get mad at your dog also, right? Don't get impatient with your dog. They're just doing the best they can. Yeah. Just figure whatever that thing is, someone else used to do that to them and scream at them and maybe smack them around yeah. when that happened. And so they have a really good reason for being afraid of it. And so you can't just do it and expect them to be like, Oh, you're a completely different person. Everything's fine. Like, you have to 
maybe just never do it, right? Like I will never grab Schmig by the back of the neck anymore, even though it doesn't hurt her, even though, you know. Sometimes it's the emergency grab. I mean. Yeah. yeah. I guess if I had to save her from like darting in front of a moving car, I might do it, but I would. You'd probably tackle her around the neck instead. Yeah. I mean, all the, you know, like hops, you know, like I'm giving him a bath. I gave two dogs baths outside today. And so I gave Queso a bath. We washed the back half because that's the half that tends to get smelly. <laughs> Queso got a back half wash. She tries to round her away, grab her, you know, <laughs> under the tongue to hold her in place. Jasmine is like, you're five feet farther away than the hose will reach. I'm not coming. <laughs> I'm like, you're coming. I'm and, dropping uh, this hose. you know, I'm dragging her over to the hose. I'm like, not aggressively in any way that would hurt her, right? But Jasmine's the one who just doesn't move for the, lo- for the, um, the vacuum. vacuum cleaner either. So if she doesn't want to do something, she's just stands. She doesn't move for the front door. I go, okay, time to leave. I open <laughs> the front door. She's like, I'm laying in front of the front door. She'll like let you schmoosh her up with the front door. She will not get up. She can get up just fine. She just she won't. give zero Fs. Zero fucks. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I grabbed her and held her by the scruff of the neck. Not hard. Didn't hurt her. Not in any scary way. It's a handle. That's that's what that's there for. Uh, I would never do that to Shmeek. But, but mother dogs do it to their puppies, right? Yeah, they, yeah. They grab them by the scruff. It's not inherently a bad thing. No, and I mean, that's what I'm doing, right? I'm very gently holding the loose fur. It is not at all to hurt them. It's just to keep them from walking away. Uh, I would still never do it with Schmeig because it freaks her out. So with a rescue dog, if you find those things and they're things that don't have to happen, don't do those things. Also, when you pet dogs and they start kicking, that's not a spot you want to keep petting. Like generally, if they thump their leg, a lot of times it's like because you're hitting a, a sensitive spot or a sore spot. Yeah, because people think it's funny. People do think it's funny. It drives me crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm like, stop it. That dog is trying to kick your hand away right now. You think? Uh, I mean, there's some dogs who like it, think it's super fun, but you can usually tell that it's super fun. Like they have a playful look on their face. They're kind of w- will wag their tail if you stop. Um, but a lot of times, like hops, if she's thumbing her leg, it's usually because her skin is super sensitive where you're touching. And so you want to pay attention to that. Like the dog thumping the leg does not equal dog enjoying what's happening. It means dog is reacting to thing that's happening and it could be in a negative way. Like they want you to stop. So more empathy is more better. Yeah. So if you find things that your dog's afraid of, if it's not a thing that has to happen, don't do it. And if it is a thing that has to happen, like you get a rescue dog and they're afraid of their water bowl or something like that, uh, which happens, then, you know, you can use this sort of approach to help. And then I guess the flip of that is like, what happens when your dog likes things that they shouldn't? (laughs) They like eating rocks, eating rocks, Um, eating stuff they shouldn't is probably the most common one. We also had a rescue dog who, like, obsessive-compulsively humped the bed. The b- dog bed, yes. The dog bed. Yeah, I loved, mean, would drag the dog bed around, like, and then hump it. Yeah, it was... Not like... Like, dogs will hump stuff, right? They will hump other dogs. They will hump toys. They will hump beds. It happens. They'll hump it for 30 seconds, and then they will move on to something else. <laughs> How long did that dog hump the bed? Minutes. I mean, awkward. I mean, 30 minutes. Yeah. 
And then you'd take it away, and then he'd go out again. We had to move the bed. And we have a lot of beds. There was one that he liked. We had to move it into my car. Yeah. Because we moved it in the basement, and he kept trying to get in the basement. I think he could smell it. I had to keep it in my car for the two weeks that we had him because he kept home. And, and this is actually not uncommon that some dogs will come into rescue, and it just becomes kind of like a coping mechanism that they'll, and it's not that they're over sexualized or over hormoned or weird. It's just like some kind of coping mechanism. The humping that is, I think, minority of it is sexual at all with dogs yeah it's like such there's so much other stuff going on but it's not sexual yeah so if they're doing stuff like that that you don't like solution one is to take away the thing that they're acting on that you don't like them acting on and don't give them access whether you know so we had to hide the bed shoes if they eat if they like to eat your shoes make all efforts to keep the shoes somewhere that they can't get them right you don't want to put those temptations in front of them um but you can't always like not have shoes out mm-hmm. and you know there's stuff that you have to deal with and so the reverse is to basically like find what's the appropriate thing that they could be doing so there's not really an appropriate thing for a dog to hump but there are appropriate ways for them to be giving attention to other stuff that could be soothing um, so I think what I was working on with him, if he would hump other stuff, which he didn't do as obsessively as the one bed, but he still would do is like, all right, so what's the m- most engaging thing he could do that's not this. And so I think I had uh, like a suite of peanut butter Kongs in the freezer. Oh yeah. I had like five of them, like all ready to go. And as soon as I caught him humping something, I would take the peanut butter Kong out and, you know, I'd give him some snacks and then I'd give him the Kong and I would take away the thing he was humping. Um, if they're chewing shoes, if they're chewing anything they're not supposed to, you should have stuff that they can chew on and immediately, like, take the shoe out of their mouth, pop the good thing in their mouth, and then praise them for chewing on the good thing. So it's a lot of positive reinforcement. Like, give them something that they're allowed to do and praise them. Take away the thing that they're not supposed to do, but you don't want to yell at them about it because that generally doesn't help. Just makes them scared. They don't know what you're saying. They don't know what don't chew that means. They don't speak English at all. No. Fink doesn't even know her name. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you get in your head like this philosophy that like positive reinforcement is the solution to everything, like you have to be super kind and give like crazy surprise bonus rewards to your dog that's the way to train them because they just want to do the right thing and they, and they don't know from what you're saying right so they know if you're like oh petting on them and using the happy voice and giving them lots of snacks like they get that that's good and so you want to find whatever it is that makes them absolutely know that they're doing good and do it over the top much with them when they do a thing you're trying to train them to do and not ever yell at them and with ours, food is always a shortcut to love. Yeah, with most dogs, food's a shortcut to love. Yeah, they love food. And, you know, finding the biggest reward foods, whether it's cheese or hot dogs or whatever. Yeah, butter, yeah. Yeah, whatever they like best, like, that's what to give them when you're training them. And then once they're trained, you still want to give them rewards, not every single time, but on occasion, so they know it reinforces, like, the good thing is still the good thing, and I get rewards for it. Yeah. Um... But basically, if they're doing a bad thing, redirect them to a good thing and praise them for it. Take away the opportunity to do the bad thing. And if they're anxious about something, start just 
incrementally giving them bits of the thing that scares them and if they do okay with that which they should if you give them the teeniest tiniest bit even if it's just like gesturing toward the thing get them okay with that in little bits they're going to learn that it's not a thing to be super freaked out about because there's an opportunity for a good reward yeah but we're lucky that, that none of these guys have been like chewing on shoes or anything like destroying Except for my jimmy things. shoes yeah that was it yeah i know i just I found know. them it's true. they're still destroyed yeah, they haven't fixed. If anyone knows how to get navy blue patent leather heels repaired, please drop me a DM. I'm willing <laughs> to pay money. <sighs> Poor Jimmy Choo. But it was it's not a thing, <laughs> right? Hopper's not right, obsessively right. finding all your shoes and eating them. No, no. O- overall, they're all really good, except Vink likes to eat paper that's at mouth level. Yeah, but not obsessively. She doesn't like. No, it's random. Grab for it sure. all. Yeah. Whatever the largest denomination of <laughs> check or dollar bill is that she can find, she'll eat that. She has eaten bills and checks before. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, you have a German word of the week for us. Mm. Schwangerschaftstest. Oh. What does that mean? Pregnancy test. <laughs> Wait. Apropos of nothing, I just <laughs> thought of that. Popped into my head. Say it again. Schwangerschaft's test. Schwangerschaft means pregnant? Yeah, pregnancy. What are, is schaft like the... Schwanger is pregnant. pregnant. Schwanger, it sounds dirty. Mm, No. So one would say, ich bin schwanger? Yes. Ich bin schwanger nicht. Ich bin nicht schwanger, ja. Ich bin nicht schwanger. That's what one would say. Ich bin immer nicht schwanger. Bist du schwanger? <laughs> nein, nein. And you should never you ask should a never woman ask that. should never ask a woman that. Do not, it doesn't matter if At you all, ever. See the baby falling out of her vagina. You should not ask her if she's pregnant. It, uh, frankly, if she is, she'll tell you. Because she'll be like super into it. And you know what? Even if she's told you, be careful. <sighs> never ask. Never ask. Don't ask a woman when she's due. Unless, she'll tell you. Don't ask. No, no, don't, no, don't, don't, never. Okay, it's easy. Bist du schwangerschaft? Never ask. Yeah, don't. Someone's do. like, ich bin schwangerschaft. Don't ask. Ich bin schwanger. Ich bin schwanger. Let's yeah. Go. Uh huh. <laughs> then you can say congratulations, mm-hmm. and and that's it. Trust, Herzlich. trust us on this, people. Herzlichen Glückwunsch. What's that mean? Congratulations. Oh, all right. Oh, Herzlichen Glückwunsch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That means heartfelt good wishes. Yes. Yeah. Herzliche Glückwunsch. You say that for birthdays in Germany. Yes. Herzliche Glückwunsch zum Geburtstag. Mm-hmm. Heartfelt wishes for your birthday, but that's like a kind of, the kind of classic way you say happy birthday in Germany. Yeah. It, would, it would sound very formal in English to say, oh, it's your birthday, Ingo. Heartfelt good wishes for your birthday. But you do say that in German. And we sing happy birthday in German, too, because the Germans have not figured out a a good birthday song. They've tried to make some like, oh, we have our own little German songs. People still sing happy birthday. In English? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. It's like the famous song. You sing it with English lyrics, though. They all know English. (laughs) (laughs) Not questioning. They do sing it with English lyrics, yes. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Uh, We have a sponsor. Audible is still our sponsor. Thank you. Tons of you have signed up for Audible through our link. Because you're so literate. You're extremely literate and intelligent and... Probably good looking, too. 
all of our followers are good looking for yep, sure. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and it does a great amount to help us pay for the podcast and all the other random stuff that we try with the golden ratio. Um, so thank you. If you want to try Audible and get some audiobooks, you get a free one if you sign up through our link, which is audibletrial.com slash the golden ratio. So Thanks to everybody who signed up, and if you want to try some audiobooks, go ahead and try it and support the Waffle Fund. I think that's it. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.